welcome to the sixth episode of You Plus Me Equals RP, a podcast dedicated to all those inspired writers and our peers out there. Every week, I'll dive into the internet and bring to you some of the very best storylines, roleplay groups, or profiles you may want to join, from written roleplay, tabletop, and even LARPing. Maybe you just need to get away from all the crazy stuff going on out there. Well, I, Helen Kirsch, will be here to help you with that. Good morning or evening or night. Um, I'm not really sure what time some of you prefer to listen to this podcast, so I hope I had covered all of the bases. This week, I might be diving into some touchy subjects. I know I said in the past that I was going to keep this clean, and I definitely will for the most part. I am giving everyone listening a bit of disclaimer. This episode contains mentions of rape and violence and may not be suitable for listeners under 13 or those who have had traumatic experiences. I'm not going to describe anything in graphic detail, but I know some people still can't hear those sorts of things, and I want to prepare anyone who may be sensitive. What I'm going to talk to you guys about only happened a few days ago. Well, it's now Saturday, the 16th of May, and this happened to myself and a friend of mine on Thursday. So the conclusion to this hasn't really finished itself out, but I'm going to tell you what led up to some of the most ridiculous assumptions and even some blocking. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about all the various drama situations that can happen or why they happen. I'm going to talk about just one thing in particular. I have a friend who has a really great character and this character is in a group with me and it's actually how I met them. This is a male character, so I'm gonna refer to him as him. Um, and he's from a TV show. My friend met someone from the same show and they decided to write together. My friend sent a starter. It had everything you might expect, a casual thought about this other character, wondering how that other character was doing, and a decision that they needed to go see the other character who was across the country. He got on a plane and flew out to meet them. That was pretty much the starter. The person came back with a response that was not a typical response. If it had been me, I would have sent a rather angry letter asking where they got off. (laughs) Anyway... The response from this other person was essentially a description of a rape scene in which my friend's character forced the other character into sex without his permission. My friend did not agree to this beforehand and was not expecting this kind of response. In addition to this response written, that person messaged my friend and told them that they felt my friend was being too forward and to give them space. Much to my friend's confusion, you'd understand why. So my friend decided to invest his time into writing with my character. We even changed our defaults to matching GIFs of our characters being funny with each other. In response, that other person blocked my friend and sent me a message that said that they didn't trust my friend and that they were all over them but are now apparently moving quickly on to me. That other person said they didn't like drama so they would understand if I didn't want to write with them but they wanted me to know so that I didn't get hurt. I quickly sent another message in response to clarify something to them. That I know this other person in real life. We are very good friends. We are also in a group together that makes it mandatory to write with other members of the group for activity. And none of my stories cross over into any other stories. Which is basically what is going on with one person would probably have no bearing whatsoever on what was happening with another. My friend and I are also not possessive over each other and over who writes with who. If they want to have a romantic storyline with another person, more power to them. The same token, if my character is having a romantic encounter elsewhere, they're not going to freak out. This other person felt really bad when I finally told them what was going on and decided to unblock my friend. As of now, though, they haven't apologized for overreacting or for what happened, but I have a feeling they probably won't either. 
if they didn't bring it up to my friend when they first saw it, they probably won't now. So remember when I said that you shouldn't write for another character? That also means sex scenes too. If it wasn't in the show, movie, book, whatever, there's no reason to invent one that the two characters did not agree to, especially something that can be triggering to another person. It's a huge no-no and should get you blocked. Only a handful of people know the identities of these people, and I'm not calling anyone out, but it is a learning experience and something people should know not to do. One, don't write a scene that may be triggering unless both people have agreed on it beforehand. Two, don't assume anything unless you talk to one or both people it concerns. Things aren't always what they seem, and you may lose a good writing partner for overreaction. And three, don't control or own people. Everyone should be allowed to write with everyone else. If you want to have one partner and don't want that partner writing smut with someone else, then you might want to clarify that with the other person beforehand and don't mark that person as yours before you've made sure they were okay with it. Now for something new, I've never done this before, but I actually took some time out to talk to my friend who this happened to. Uh, it's actually my friend, Julia. So I'm going to play a little bit of our conversation and that way you can kind of get an idea of what it was like for her to go through this. Um, she actually had a little message for, I actually asked the question, what would you say to this person if you had a chance to actually speak to them outright? What would you say to this person? And this is what her response was. A, consent is important. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to be writing with someone the least you can do is check in with them and make sure that if you have an idea that they're okay with it and B, be an adult. Like even if you're like a 16 year old or whatever it is, like however young this person is, God, I hope not, but uh -huh. <laughs> you know, act here. Let me not say be an adult, be mature about it. Like if you have an issue with someone, I know that nobody likes confrontation. Like I don't know anybody who is like, hell yeah, I want to fight with someone. Let's fucking do of it. Course. Like the, I would just say be mature about it. If you have an issue with someone, go to them, try to talk about it or try and like have them address your concerns, right? Especially if they're a writing partner because for you to just assume and jump to conclusions and overreact and misread a situation, like not only do you, can you hurt this other person's feelings, you also just look like a moron. Yeah. You just look childish when you do something like that. So if I could say anything to this person, I would just say, look, um, you know, next time ask for permission. And then if you have more questions, ask again, because the least that someone like me can say is no, or the least that someone like me can do is you know, immediately block, in which case, whatever. I just think that if you're the one who's med misread a situation and you're the one who's kind of starting to get your feelings hurt, I think that you should pursue an explanation with this person instead of just taking things into your own hands. Yeah. But I also empathize because he did say in his messages to you that he's been hurt before and he didn't want it again and you know he has seen people like me whatever that means and I get that I've been in a similar situation with writers but I think my if I had to say anything like I know that I've already kind of backpedaled at this point but if I really had to say anything it's not that deep 
(laughs) It's really not that deep. And if you're making it that deep, you should probably log off and go take like a lap around the neighborhood and like come back because it really does not have to be that deep. Well, that that's what I was going to say. That if that's what I would say. If if, if you're going to pursue a romantic situation with someone online, with a character, or have your character pursue one with another, treat it like a mature relationship. How would you treat that mature relationship in real life? Because obviously, if, if they're taking it that seriously, that's how they're seeing it. It's like a real life relationship. And what's the mm-hmm. most important thing in a real life relationship? Communication. You know, you want to be able to communicate with your partner and tell them exactly what your problem is with that person. You know, oh, I have a problem with you talking to this person, mm-hmm. having a romantic relationship with somebody else. I thought that was between you and me. Communicating with that person about that. If you would have known that maybe they wanted to just have a one-on-one thing instead of just assuming like I'm, he did, maybe you would have been like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about that. Maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe, you know, cause he, he pretty much forced it on you, a couple things on you without your permission. And that's not really fair. <laughs> that's completely unfair actually. So I think if, if you're going to have a romantic relationship online, you need to treat it like a mature person would, you know? So there's a lot more that went on with this conversation. Obviously, it kind of cuts off. We spent about a good half hour talking about this this entire thing that went on. Uh, I'm not going to post it all here. I'm actually thinking about including most of this in a bonus episode for those who are Patreon donors. Stay tuned, and I'm going to share a little bit about my profile. I unfortunately didn't get any group or profile submissions this week, which means I'll be talking about my own character. I currently have a bow from Lost Girl. Uh, having a Kenzie assistant on my profile for role player makes a lot more sense now, right? I've had this profile for a few weeks, but I actually wrote his bow for years uh, a while ago. I recently remade her when my friend said she missed playing Kenzie. Now that friend is too busy to write with me, but my real-life sister also made a Kenzie, so it kind of makes up for it. I currently roleplay in blogs or comments for any of my storylines. If anyone wanted to do it on Discord or something, I'm sure I would make an exception. You would just have to add me and send me a message to discuss where you would like to write. I don't like writing in anything in messages unless it's just storyline discussions. I am a multi-para novella RPer but I can make exceptions with people if they want to write less. As long as the writing is clean and makes sense, I'm perfectly fine with RPing whatever you'd like to RP. If I just got a smile from the person consistently, I may get pretty tired pretty quick. Lost Girl takes place in the supernatural or paranormal verses, so I really would love to see some hunters or other supernatural creatures. I've actually been added by Greek gods and all kinds of creatures, but more is always welcome. I just want someone who will stick around and write their character. There seems to be a lot of people who disappear after a while. My RP style and rating can range from PG-13 to R, depending on the person's preference. Bo is a succubus, so of course there may be some sensual or sexual depictions. Um, but if someone isn't comfortable with my mentioning these kinds of things, then we can obviously keep it light. I'm actually looking for a Dyson to write with. I very much ship Bo and Dyson and would like someone who can write long involved storylines with me. 
doesn't have to be a romantic connection, but I would love to have some tension between them. Um, as I've said before in the past, I really like having characters that I can kind of emotionally torture and having somebody that Bo may want to be with and Dyson may want to be with her, but they just can't make it work or something keeps getting in the way of their relationship would be a lot of fun to have. All right, about Bo. If you're a fan of the show, some of this will sound familiar, but I have gone a bit AU with it because of a recent story that I started with Kenzie. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen the complete show. So if you want to talk to me about what my storyline is later on, message me. I'm happy to go over it with you and kind of, you know, talk about what you might want to do as well. Bo Dennis was raised by an average American family as a human with no knowledge of what she was. At the age of 18, she accidentally killed her high school boyfriend while doing what high school kids are known to do. When she went to her mother to ask for help, her mother threw her out. And of course, this is her adopted mother. Bo had been on the road ever since. Um, her sexual urges would sometimes become too much. She sometimes ended up killing her would-be partner. And then that would cause her to continue on and leaving town. Eventually, Bo ended up working in a bar where she saved Kenzie from a potential predator. Bo did end up killing the guy before helping unconscious Kenzie back to her abandoned house in which she was calling home at the time. Dyson and Hale, um, who are both Faye as well, uh, end up tracking Bo down in order to find out who and what she was. In their world, the Faye, as all the supernatural creatures are called, are divided into two factions, the dark and the light. Once they reach a certain age, they're, they're supposed to choose which side they are loyal to. Bo, having raised a human, never went through this ritual. So they decided to test her, and they try to force her to choose. But she completely denies them. Instead, she wants to help humans and find out about her history. So she is now neutral. The show follows Bo and Kenzie as they help humans with their investigation services, at least to a point. Uh, eventually, the show gets a little bit more in-depth with Bo's history and who her parents were. And for me personally, I kind of keep it as Bo being neutral and assisting humans. Uh, right now, Kenzie and I are doing a great storyline together that involves hunting evil fae that escape from their afterlives. Kind of like a very brimstone type of storyline. And if you know that show from the 90s, you're amazing and we need to be friends. So I wrote this next piece as a starter for Dyson. We were supposed to do something where Dyson is undercover at this club and Bo has been trying to find out where he's been. So disclaimer, there is some sexual adult lesbian content. Fingers lightly raced along her skin, starting lightly at the elbow and down to the wrist. The dark skin of the human that had been working at the front door checking IDs was lovely. Startling beautiful in the pale light of the dingy alleyway. Bo leaned in closer to the dark beauty as her hand began to trail its way back up to her elbow again. The light electric current flowed from her finger. Sexual desire would no doubt cause the woman's knees to tremble. I know you've seen him, Bo whispered huskily as the woman bent her head back and moaned lowly in her throat. He's hard to miss. Here. Look at this photo again. I can always help jog your memory. Or maybe I can offer you a reward. Leaning in, her lips brushed along the woman's cheek and down to her jawline, increasing the sexual pulsations. I, the woman faltered, and Bo had to reel herself in. Being this close and exerting this much energy could make her hungry if she wasn't careful. Then, who knows what could happen. 
The woman noticed that Bo had pulled back slightly and turned to her. No, don't, don't stop. The man? With an upward jerk of her other hand, Bo raised the picture into the light so that the woman could see it better. It was a very clear picture of Dyson, Hale, and Kenzie. Dyson had his arm wrapped around Kenzie's neck, putting her into a headlock, while Kenzie did the same to Hale. This was taken only a few weeks before, and it had become one of Bo's favorite pictures of them. This one. Her finger lightly covered Kenzie's face so the woman could focus on Dyson. Is, is he your boyfriend? The woman asked with a bit of disappointment in her voice. It was clear that she was almost jealous, and that alone might have kept her from talking. It was hard for Bo not to feel irritated at this. There had been enough dead ends in her search for Dyson that to have come this far, only to have petty jealousy stop her, was annoying. Bo doubled down on her energy exertion and leaned in, breathing lightly in the woman's ear. You want to make me happy, don't you? The woman's eyes flickered closed as she again tilted her head back. The club, she breathed as one of her hands gripped Bo's jacket. He's at the Fatum's Fate Club. A smile appeared on Bo's face as she leaned in and kissed the woman, allowing herself the small moment to inhale, taking some of her essence with it. Not a lot, just enough to replenish the energy she had used to get her information, and enough that the woman would have had a wonderful nap. The woman did exactly as Bo had hoped, and went limp in her arms, sliding down to the ground at her feet. Shit, I can't leave you here. Come on. Bo lifted the young woman, helping her to half-stand as she walked out to the main street. Luckily, there were some people here, standing around in groups as cars and taxis picked up fare and took them to the destinations. Bo found a taxi and a woman driver and loaded the lovely girl into the back seat. She's a little drunk. The taxi driver only nodded as Bo handed her the little woman's license and a 20. Get her home safe. With a salute, the taxi driver pulled away from the curb without so much as a word. At least Bo had a lead now, which meant that she was closer to finding Dyson. Bo turned away from the crappy club and started heading in the direction of Fatum's Fate Club. The music behind her faded away as she made her way to the one place she hadn't been yet. If he wasn't there, she wasn't sure where else to check. There you have it. That's my Bo Dennis. Add me at roleplayer.me, 160 8174. I'll be giving out this link again at the end of the episode, so you can write it down. Up next, I wanted to talk about the Settlers of Catan, because it's about time. I'm not sure how many of you may have heard of Settlers of Catan. It's honestly one of my favorite games to play with a group of people, because it becomes very competitive very quickly. A lot of the time, you start to plan with other people on how to block one person who is dominating the board. When I start to explain this game, you're going to think it's kind of boring, uh, but it's really not, especially when you have that group of people that make you laugh the entire time you're playing. There are so many things about this game that make it interesting. It's only about $25 on most sites, so you can find it fairly easily. It's obviously a very G-rated game, and the board changes every time you play it. The way that it's arranged, you mix up the tiles and then flip them over to show the new board. Same with the number tiles. The board is set up kind of like a, a honeycomb. The object of the game is to collect 10 victory points, and there are multiple ways to do that. You can build settlements, uh, cities. Each settlement is worth one point. The city is worth two. Having the longest road or the largest army can also net you the two victory points each. Development cards that are pulled from the deck can also offer you victory points, and there are five of those cards in the deck. 
You can build roads, settlements, cities, and gain development cards by gathering and spending resources. There are five resources in the game, such as wood, brick, sheep, wheat, ore, or we usually call it stone when we play. When you start the game, everyone takes turns laying down a settlement on a corner to adjacent resources. So if there is an ore, brick, and sheep, you can place your settlement on that corner that borders those those ones. The numbers on each of these resources net you that resource when the dice rolls that number. So if you're on an ore that is a number four, every time that someone rolls a four, you and anyone bordering that number will get that resource. Now a couple things that make this game difficult. When you start the game, you can place the two settlements anywhere as long as it's at least one corner away from another space. Uh, they can't be neighbors. After that, any other settlements that you place have to be connected by a road that borders the pieces. And they also have to be a corner away or more. I'm sorry guys, this game is very hard to explain unless you're looking at pictures or watching someone play it. There is a tabletop with Will Wheaton and it's, it's great at explaining it. In fact, I was looking online and there are actually a lot of resources that talk about this game. I've spent many nights trading with people and building up my victory points or using the robber to place on numbers to keep people from getting my resources. It's such a fun game to play with people. There are also expansions that you can get that can actually make the board larger. So if you have more than three to four players, you can actually get up to five or six players. And there's a movie edition for five to 12 players. If it's just you and your significant other, um, there's actually a set of rules that allows you to drop to just the two players with some small addendums to the rules. So do take some time to check it out and see if it's something that you might might want to use on your next game night. Um, and there's also even digital versions like on Steam that you can download too to play with other people. Up next, I would love to talk to you about Evermore Park in Utah. Evermore Park is in Pleasant Grove, Utah, and it's a theme park dedicated to everyone who wants to experience what it's like to be in a real quest of D&D. I've actually known a few people who went here and got to experience some of their amazing side quests. Uh, you can watch some videos and read some of their information at evermore.com. It's really reasonable to get in, about $30 per person, with other tickets being cheaper on other days. The website describes their park as, Evermore Park is an experienced park where guests of all ages can escape to a new realm, the fantasy village of Evermore. Themed like a European village with its own buildings, citizens, and epic story, guests interact with characters, go on quests, and become a part of the world of Evermore. The village of Evermore is a growing entity with changing themes, buildings, citizens, and quests. There are many exciting and family-friendly things to do all within our park, such as archery, axe throwing, bird and reptile show, Evermore Park-themed cuisine, guild memberships, horse and pony interaction, themed train experience, in-park exclusive merchandise, many productions of Evermore's history and storyline, musical character performances, games and quests, storyline discovery, gothic antiquities. So Evermore Park has three specific seasons throughout the year themed for various mythologies, Mythos, Lore, and Aurora. These seasons come with distinct story elements, characters, and quests. During the seasons, the park is primarily open in the evenings and sometimes during the day for various events and opportunities. In between the three seasons, the park opens at times for special events and or daytime exploration. 
I was looking at their Halloween event, and I really hope and it'll be open for me to visit. The theme is, the village is overcome by an ancient darkness from another portal in this haunted Halloween experience for all. And the picture they have up is what looks to be like a pumpkin-type creature that's hanging over a giant pumpkin patch. And it's, it's really hard to describe, but it looks really interesting. The reviews are really high, and I was told it's a great place to check out, but they really need the support because they're still kind of small. They need people to go to their park and spend money, of course. So when they reopen, you guys should really make some time to go see them. If you have gone, let me know um, what you thought of them. I'd love to hear about it. This week, the writing prompt was the glance. Two people can't stop glancing at each other. Rue sent hers in, and it's absolutely lovely. You'll have to add her at roleplayer.me. One two two zero four three three, and I'm gonna read that response that she sent in. It was close to the middle of the afternoon, and Rue sat at a picnic bench at the local park, one that she frequently visited just to watch people. It was still amazing to see so many different people of different species interacting in one place. She wondered if her old home in Georgia had been like that. She hadn't known she was a witch until much later in her life and hadn't even called herself one until more recently. Her gift, however, had been there. The ability to manipulate fate. She'd killed the guest of her adopted parents' bed and breakfast unknowingly. It had been a dream, and the next morning she learned of a sudden demise. In her mind, she saw lines of what looked like strings or threads, zigzagging and stretching across the ether. She could reach out and touch it tug and pull on them, twist them, knot them, cut them. Her gift, or curse, depending on how you looked at it, was the very same as the fates of Greek mythology. When discussing it with Claire or others she met, she described her ability like that of the three sisters from the Disney film Hercules, the ones with the share of the eye, with the exception that she was one person, with the role of all three. She was by far more pretty than those three hags. Feeling like she wanted to stir up some trouble, her eyes moved across the crowd looking for a target. Ambrosia had been teaching her how to focus and control her energy, which then benefited the control of her abilities with lines. She wanted to make a scene, but nothing too crazy. Once she spotted her target, she closed her eyes and her hands and consciously began to weave the threads of the line she was creating. She concentrated hard on what she wanted to happen, how she wanted to manipulate her target but she couldn't help but feel a little giddy about it. With her eyes closed, she could see the threads of lifelines that crossed and intersected between the people of the park. It was amazed to the untrained eye, but she eventually settled on one and gave it a little tug, much like a puppeteer. She felt confident that she had control enough to open her eyes. Slowly, she lifted her lids as the brightness of the day came back. She was able to spot her target. A young man on a skateboard... She smirked a little as she gave another tug to the string in her mind and watched as he stumbled off of his skateboard. She giggled to herself, but something made her look away from him to a park bench near the skateboarder. A set of eyes stared right at her, completely breaking her concentration. She dropped her hands, releasing her hold on her magic, and the skateboarder stumbled again before regaining control of himself. Rue's eyes stared straight back at the figure that looked at her. Those eyes belonged to a man. His skin seemed rather tanned and sun-kissed from here, at least from what she could see of his face and arms. He appeared to have long hair, tossed up into a messy man bun on top of his head. His facial hair appeared to trim, at least from this distance. 
Even though she couldn't see the color of his eyes, she could still feel their intensity. It actually made her heart skip to see how intensely he was looking at her. She found herself unable to look away. It was as if he had been casting his own magic on her, but she couldn't sense another source of magic other than her own. Her tongue stuck out to lick her lips. She was finally able to pull her gaze away from him and try to look somewhere else. It was almost as if he knew exactly what she was doing and had stared at her to make her stop. That was something unnerving to her. Still, she felt flushed from that heated gaze and found herself looking back in his direction. He was still staring. At least, when she looked back at him, he was looking at her again. She wasn't sure if he had looked away, too, or if he was just going to make this creepy by constantly staring at her. Rue shifted to turn herself around, getting up to sit on the bench that was positioned on the other side of the table she'd been sitting at. Now her back was to him, which also seemed like a stupid move if he was indeed dangerous, but she wasn't worried about an attack. She could easily kill someone without even touching them. Leaning back against the wooden bench, she let out a heavy sigh and tilted her head back into the sun, soaking in those warm early summer rays. Curiosity got the best of her, and she turned her head to look back at him. He was looking again, but this time seemed to have shifted further down the bench than where he had originally been. She let out a groan, closing her eyes again. This was ruining her solitary time. When she turned to look back at him again, he had moved. Now he was gone. Where the hell did he go? Looking forward again, she nearly jumped out of her skin as he was walking up to her. How the hell did he move so fast? Her eyes widened as he walked up to her, standing in front of her from where she sat on the bench. I saw what you were doing, he told her. I'm glad you stopped. She could see now that his eyes were golden. Not like a golden brown, but gold. Like a wolf's eyes. Of course he was a fucking werewolf. It's not nice to play with the lives of the innocent, he said. Ruth scoffed. And playing the staring game with me isn't any better? Her remark caused a smirk to curve his lips. Damn, he had a nice mouth. One of those mouths that looked perfectly kissable. Now who was staring? He shifted to reach his hand out to her, offering it for a handshake. Connor Price. And you are? She stared at his outstretched hand for a moment, contemplating if she wanted to make this particular acquaintance. Pressing her lips together in a hard line, she reached out, curled her fingers around his hand in a firm grasp. Her eyes stared up at him, squinting a little in the light. Rue Sadowski. She just had a feeling that this man was going to be bad news for her. So remember to add her and audition for Dead by Sunrise at roleplayer.me slash 74968. Seriously, audition for them. Her direct page is roleplayer.me slash 1220433. She's an amazing writer and a person. So add her, RP with her, add her group and RP with them too. You won't regret it. Next week's writing prompt, if you would like to submit one um, of your own, um, you can be featured here and I'll talk about you or whatever profile you might want to use. The next writing prompt is warehouse. The secrets that are taking place in an old abandoned warehouse. Now you do get credit for all your writing that you do and send in. I will even link you to my page. Uh, please include a 100 by 100 picture or GIF that you would like to use for your image. If you don't want me to post these in the blog, I will respect your wishes. Anyone can send me these writing prompts. Uh, you don't have to be a role player to participate. Everyone is welcome.
I'm going to give you the information for my Beau Dennis again. So get your phone ready, piece of paper, whatever you use to write these down and keep track of. Roleplayer.me slash 1608174. Add it. Message me for some storylines. Don't forget to check out my site on roleplayer.me for the podcast at roleplayer.me 1604302, where you'll also find all the links and information for all the previous pages and groups that were featured here. If you don't have a profile on there already, um, you will have to create one on there to add me because I do have it set to private. But uh, I'm going to be scraping some money together probably in the next week or two to get my domain and service up so that you can um, speak with me on a different web page, not necessarily on Roleplayer. Um, that way you can send it there and I'll leave if you guys want to include any writing samples and stuff. Um, I will be posting that up and getting that together probably in the next week. So I think next week I'll probably have the information for you to, to visit the page. Um, contact me. I love getting your letters and submissions. I have some rules up and I do have a questionnaire on the page if you would like me to talk about you here. Um, so send me your writings. I want to talk about other writers as well. So even if you're not on our peer, I'll be happy to talk about what you're up to. Don't forget to check out and follow the page on Twitter, Facebook at UMeRP. I also want to thank everyone for listening, whether it's on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And if you guys can check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash UMERP and help out, really appreciate it. Thank you, Rue and Big B and Lou, who are currently donating. Anyone who pitches in will get additional content and a shout out on here. I'd love to be able to do some additional giveaways, stuff for our peers. Um, I do know it's tough, so if you could share me out, give me the five-star review or rating everywhere that you listen. That would be so, so helpful. Until next week, stay creative, stay safe.